Welcome to Market Scale Pro AV. I'm your host, Sean Heath, and today I'm having a conversation with Chris Bernetto. He is one of the consultant liaisons and business development managers for Barco. Chris, how are you today? Doing good, Sean. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thanks for asking. Um, would you do me a favor? Kind of tell me about the path that led you to Barco, say, I don't know, from college years? <laughs> well, I've been involved in audiovisual now for about 20 years. Um, uh, roughly, yeah, because I graduated in 1998 from uh, William Patterson University. Uh, got my degree in communications, which I took into AV. At the time, it was kind of like uh, – Kind of foreign to have some sort of degree and work in AV. Most of the people that uh, that I met when I first joined um, the audiovisual industry were former DJs, former musicians, uh, sound guys, roadies. Um, so to come in with a with a degree was kind of kind of different. Uh, I did an internship where I actually had uh, you know a camera on my back and you know had dreams and aspirations of becoming a, a video guy uh, in the future, working in TV broadcast. And stuff like that. Uh, but uh, started off with a, a little company doing uh, video conferencing, which grew to a big company. And uh, I flew all over the country doing installations for video conferencing systems back in 98. So I was a tech. I've been a major accounts manager. I've uh, been a consultant in the AV space. I was also an end user, uh, which gave me a, a unique perspective on AV and how AV is seen from the other side. Uh, you know, after spending so many years uh, installing and project managing, taking a break from that, going to the end user side of the business and getting a better understanding of how it is to be the customer or how the customer, uh, you know, um, sees AV uh, and then getting back into the pro AV side of the business by uh, joining uh, AV help desk as a consultant. And now more recently, I've uh, joined uh, Barco about a year ago. So your experiences have given you a, a pretty interesting uh, perspective. You're able to see problems and, and solutions from a lot of different viewpoints, and, and that probably makes you incredibly effective. It, on the day-to-day, you work really closely with technology consultants. That's kind of your bread and butter, right? Correct, correct. Um, the, the, the way, um, you know, my my responsibility with Barco is to – Obviously, it's business development. Uh, my specialty or the people I work closest with are the consultant uh, uh, community. And these are specifiers. These are people that are not out you know, selling products per se, but they're specifying products for long-term projects. So there's nothing I'm working on right now that is going to hit within the next six months. My projects are long lead. You know, these they're, they're working on new construction, new projects that are you know, a year and a half, two years out possibly when we get involved. So... Nothing of what I'm doing right now is something that's going to turn immediately very quickly. Um, so it's a long-term game. Uh, I also work not just with AV consultants, but I work with the architects who, are, who, who would call us in if they have an idea for the technology. I also work closely with content creators who are developing content uh, at times early on in the phase because somebody um, has an idea for a lobby and uh, it's based around a logo or, or an idea. Um, you know, some of these content creators now are are looking to see if the equipment that's out there, you know, can handle the vision that they have. So they reach out to the manufacturers or the consultants, and we all sit down and you know plug away. Uh, that's that having that background as a as a former design guy and a consultant guy um, 
helps. So I can sit down with a round table and we can bang out some ideas as far as, you know, where can we take this vision and make it a reality? Okay. So as someone who has sort of the experience of being a problem solver, how do you balance the slow lead times and the rapid changes of technology in the industry with the vision that you see coming from a customer that you, your mind has to be going a hundred miles an hour trying to balance all those different points. Absolutely. Um, we were, or, or myself and my, my colleague, Charles Duncan, uh, who handles the other side of the country for Barco, uh, we always have to be well informed on not just roadmaps within Barco and where our technology is heading. Um, you know, version 1.0 maybe today, but we have to be a couple steps ahead of the game, uh, knowing that, you know, by the time this lead, you know, this, this does impact Barco, it could be a, the next generation of that product. So we have to be cognizant of the roadmaps within Barco. We are also people that have to be very much understanding the trends in the industry. Uh, you know, we rely on, um, obviously stuff that's in our industry, such as technology shows. Uh, where, you know, every company is putting in, you know, the, the next gen or the next, uh, the next big product. Uh, but more so, not just product specific, we have to see what the trends are across the board. Um, whether it is you know, a few years back, open space concept for um, corporate was a, a very trendy topic. Um, you had to prepare for the impact on that with technology. So, yeah, some people were starting to deal with you know, office space that did not have walls or doors, right? It was very open. How do you deal with noise, acoustics? How do you deal with natural light filling the space? So, you know, it, it can, you can't be reactionary in what we do. We have to be constantly preparing for the next thing. And it's not the easiest, you know, it's, it's, it's part, you're, you're part the soothsayer, you know, uh, you have to, you have to imagine where the next step is going to be before it happens. Uh, you have to stay on top of the trends. You have to stay current in the news. And, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a fan of it, but, you know, you, you almost got to play part futurist where, where is the next evolution coming? Where's the next technology coming? It may, may not even be something that's in AV right now or something that we would consider hardcore AV, but it is a movement that is going to impact AV and uh, the designs in the future. You have to be, as you mentioned, aware of architecture, changing business models, societal issues, and the landscape is constantly changing beneath your feet, whether it's uh, control systems or, I mean, Pro-AV is not just slapping a panel up on a wall and getting a signal to it. You have so many things you have to be focused on. Yeah, that's, that's the tough part, and that's what makes it interesting. Um, you know, you mentioned a couple examples of things that are changing. I mean, who would have who would have thought that a generation entering a workspace was going to have such a change in how space is planned in a corporate setting right now? The the generation of of, of workers that have entered it, you know, uh, everybody wants to talk about millennials as, oh my God, what are we going to do? Uh, you know, I'm Generation X. I sit in the middle between both them and the and the boomers. Um, when I entered the workforce, nobody was making changes to the workspace because of my generation, right? My generation just came in and it was cube farms. And the reason it was cube farms was because that's what the office space was, right? You had, you had a conference room, you had a meeting space, and you have cubes. 
Executives had offices. If you needed to meet, that's where you went to have one-on-one -on -one meetings. That's all changed. Uh, the generation that came into the space now is not applying for jobs where they sit in cube farms. So kudos to them for pushing not just space design, but the technology. Um, the simplification of technology is because of this app-based culture that we're in. One button press. We, we in AV should have seen this coming for years. The minute the smartphone was introduced into the space, everything changed. Uh, if you would have, if you would have told me, uh, when I started in this industry that I can do a video call on my cell phone, uh, for a lengthy amount of time with good quality, I would have told you you were nuts. Back then everything was wired and the digital wasn't there. We're beyond that, right? The same happened to the iPhone. The iPhone was never supposed to be corporate. And there was many uh, corporate IT people and uh, telephony people that told you that it would never enter because of security issues. Well, what happened to the other ones that weren't smartphones? Um, it was never, corp the, the iPhone was never intended to be in corporate, but now it's here. Same conversation is being had these days about voice, um, voice uh, control. Uh, products like uh, Alexa and Siri and uh, the Google chat, not the Google chat, but the Google assistant is really pushing the envelope on what traditional ways of us doing business has changed such as control. So yes, one button presses, one, you know, one uh, app mentality to do a bunch of things. Yeah, this is, this is where it is right now. What's interesting is when we talk about simplicity and that one button activity, the back end has to be incredibly complex in order to make that front facing part appear so simple. And you deal with that on a daily basis. Yes, we do. Um, the way it works is, is this way with a product like, like Overture. We had to put a lot of time and, and design into making that first, the first opening up of an app to be not, you know, to be something that was non-threatening. You have people currently um, that order touch panel control for a conference room and are afraid of it. Maybe it's because the nomenclature is too techy. <laughs> they don't work with, uh, you know, the having a, a programmer going out and do that needs analysis on a touch panel just to get the GUI right is a big step in acceptance of the system. Right? <laughs> Excuse me. On the back end, right, what Barco engineers put into simplifying uh, the work, doing all the work ahead of time so that the end user can now make some changes and adjustments uh, to the programming to the programming themselves is a big step forward. You know, using um, easy to use code as opposed to specific, you know, um, you know, uh, manufacturer specific type coding. Um, having equipment that is ready with the APIs and stuff like that, it just makes Overture a better product. Um, that's where we're at as far as the control goes. So there, there's a lot, you're right, there is a lot of engineering that goes back to um, Barco uh, and, and, and to the initial design of the Overture system. And I think that what we have turned out has been a pretty good product at the end, which is something simple, very neat, very clean. And the acceptance there has been, we've been getting the, uh, the acceptance, not just from integrators, 
who value this as something very simple, very easy to use, but ultimately the end users are accepting it. They can do some minor product, you know, some they could do the um, uh, upgrades that they need. You know, just because you changed out a Blu-ray player, you shouldn't have to shut your room down and call in a programmer to do this change. You could, you should just be able to do it yourself. On-site technicians at corporate are responding back, yes, we should be able to, and this is easy using that product. You mentioned how the generational workforce has altered the the actual workspace and that rise of the wow factor in, in a corporate lobby. As someone who is on the front edge, a, a thought leader in the industry, what do you see as being maybe one of the driving forces moving forward, say with the data or, or more technology and content? How do you see all those things blending together as we move forward? Well, it's, it's funny you asked all that. I, I think that personally, data analytics is a uh, probably one of the most intriguing things for me moving forward. Um, <coughs> excuse me. As somebody who was an end user, um, nothing could get approved without justification. The only way you're going to justify spend on anything was by having numbers. Okay, that's corporate thing. That's what our end users are doing. So before an end user even remotely wants to talk to me about a certain piece of technology, it has to, you know, they, they have to have that justification as why they're going to spend the money. Because technology is supposed to make things possible or easier, right? So if you have data analytics running and it shows that a conference room is not being used, okay? Traditionally in the past, that was only coming off of maybe a video conferencing server that would tell you that the room was booked for X amount of days, right? Or X amount of hours a, a week and who was the person who booked it. But what we found out through time was that that wasn't a very reliable source. It wasn't telling us that people were using the room just for presentations or just for meetings without the use of technology. So that left a gape, you know, like a gaping hole there. What was being, what was it being used for? So data analytics, combined with sensors and AI, that's going to be the way of the future for many of these corporate companies to justify the spend on a corporate AV side. <clears throat> so conference rooms moving forward are, I'm not going to say they're going to be designed by data analytics, but uh, I would say a good portion of what they're going to do moving forward is going to be based off of previous or historical data that's being captured using sensors or heat mapping. You know, I say heat mapping, <laughs> you see that on like National Geographic's of birds flying and how they, you know, have patterns. Well, humans walking into a space have patterns. Why do they walk in and go to the right? What was there? Why was one conference room used over another? In one example that I give, I had a conference room that was used more than the other just simply because I had a credenza in there. No, no data was going to give me that. No machine was going to give me that information. But that credenza being in the room provided a place for them to put their lunch. So we compared, oh, look, lunch orders were going there. Why? Ah, they had a built-in place to rest the food. So conference rooms with credenzas increase usability. That's a non-technology upgrade that I can see based on some homework that I had to do. It wasn't easy. But moving forward, uniting all these systems, 
the corporation using sensors, right? To know when people are in or out, connecting it to light sources. Nobody's gonna be in a meeting without light, right? Or maybe censoring the chairs to know that how many chairs were there and in the room and how many times the chairs moved, just to, to tell you that there's bodies in the room. You know, uh, for many years, we just went off of, you know, uh, a calendar that was sitting outside the room, a physical calendar that you write in or a planner. Um, so now moving forward, I think data analytics is, is going to become a heavier focus for AV and technology moving forward. In the corporate lobbies, corporate lobbies are big. It's a big wow factor to the point where they're attention getting from people with outside the company. It's not just about signage anymore. Now it's about the experience and the event, uh, you know, to see people walk into a, um, uh, a Barco installation that we did down in, in the Comcast building in, in uh, Philadelphia. We didn't do the install, but it's our equipment that was there. And to see people go there for a Christmas show because they add to their lobby wall system a Christmas uh, show. It's amazing. Never thought that, you know, an LED uh, wall, a direct view LED wall would be such a hot commodity that people would actually want to go and take their families and take pictures in front of it. Well, at least it helps me uh, explain a little better what it is that I do because nobody at home knows what I, <laughs> but to them, I'm just the cable guy. Well, I think you have probably elevated yourself a little, a little more than that today. You are now officially the Sherlock Holmes of Pro AV because you are the only person I've ever spoken to in my history who's managed to work a credenza into a Pro AV conversation. And that, sir, is brilliant. <laughs> Today I've had an opportunity to talk to Chris Netto. He's a consultant liaison and one of the business development managers for Barco. Chris, thanks so much for taking the time today. I really have enjoyed this. Thank you. I appreciate it. Nice, uh, nice of you to invite me on. Thank you for listening to this episode of our podcast. If you'd like to find out more or listen to previous episodes, go to marketscale.com slash industries. And if you have a chance, subscribe to the MarketScale publications for the latest articles, videos, and podcasts from your favorite industries.